Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to Doral Industries' third quarter 2021 results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. Before turning the meeting over to management, please be advised that this conference call will contain statements that are forward-looking and sub number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those anticipated. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, November 5, 2021. I will now turn the conference over to Martin Schwartz, President and CEO. Please go ahead. Thank you. Well, good afternoon, and thank you all for joining us for Dorel's third quarter earnings call for the period ended September 30th. On the line with me are Jeffrey Schwartz, CFO, and Frank Rana, VP of Finance. We will take your questions following your comments. Again, all figures discussed are in U.S. dollars. Major accomplishment during the quarter was the agreement reached to sell Dorel Sports. Acting on feedback from our shareholders earlier this year, we embarked on a thorough review of strategic alternatives. We are pleased that this transaction has accomplished our objective of unlocking shareholder value. We have been able to monetize Dorel Sports at a time when the demand for bicycles remains very strong. Investor interest in Dorel has certainly picked up since the announcement. A main question being how the net proceeds of over 700 million will be used. We are looking at various scenarios. And as we have said, we will provide details once the deal closes, which is expected before the end of Q1 next year. Our focus now is on Dorel Home and Dorel Juvenile. The aim is to replicate the success achieved in our sports business, but there is work to do. To this end, last month we announced initiatives to strengthen Dorel Home, which I will elaborate on shortly. An unpleasant surprise last week was the judgment from the Luxembourg Administrative Court. Jeffrey will get into the details when he summarizes the financials. Turning now to our segments, the main concern, as with most industries, is the continuing supply chain disruptions, which do not appear to be going away anytime soon. While demand for our products remains strong and we have not lost market share, the situation has become overwhelming and it is difficult to predict when it will end. At the outset, the concern was the high cost of containers. This is still the case, but the ramifications are now far more wide ranging with a snowball effect. Now it is difficult to even get containers. The loading process is slow. Ships sit offshore waiting to enter ports because of delays on loading trucks are hard to find, and trucks are hard to find, 
And once finally at the destination, warehousing and handling for both us and our customers is more complicated and more expensive. This is presenting challenges to meet the continuing consumer demand for Darrell's products, but we are actively working on the solutions. Darrell Home has had a tough quarter due to the supply chain chaos, the continuing pandemic, and a series of related operational challenges. COVID forced the shutdown of several of the segment's large suppliers in Southeast Asia for several months, some of which have reopened or are, are in the process of reopening. And COVID also closed important Chinese ports. COVID-related labor shortages at Dorel Homes U.S. distribution centers compounded the problems, resulting in additional detention and demerit charges, as we couldn't empty containers on time. This all combined to cancel or delay shipments, materially limiting product availability, thus reducing Q3 sales, both online and in-store. Domestic production at our factories was also affected due to a lack of availability of board and hardware, which impacted manufacturing and factory throughput. The situation is now improving. The segment increased the price of its products, but continuing cost hikes, cost hikes plus the lag time of implementation did not fully compensate for the situation. The good news is that many of Dorel's internal issues, such as staffing, turnaround times, and congestion began to ease in September and continued to improve through October. As well, home has good inventory going into Q4 to meet the increasing demand. To bolster Dorel Home's growth prospects, we announced $29 million in investments. $10 million is for new factory equipment at the segment's three factories that will bring back some production from Asia, allow for manufacture of value-added innovative new products, and better serve our e-commerce partners with on-trend products made in North America. New machinery and derail home products in Montreal will permit the manufacturing of coiled spring mattresses previously imported from Asia. All equipment should be up and running in the first quarter of 2022. The $19 million acquisition of Danish-based Nadio Living, an e-commerce home furnishing firm, provides an important advantage for further European expansion. The combination of Dorel Home's strong portfolio of products and brands with Nodio's strong mainland Europe distribution capabilities are expected to significantly augment Dorel Home's European business. Dorel remains fully committed to taking a disciplined approach to value creation as it sees significant upside in its Dorel Home business. At the Real Juvenile, markets in North and South America all reported higher revenue. Europe was the issue, as it, as it was most negatively impacted by the supply chain problems, partially offsetting revenue increases gained elsewhere. The disruptions caused a backlog of hundreds of containers in Asia, resulting in product shortages and out-of-stock conditions of certain key items. While some of these conditions have started to ease in Europe, product shortages are expected through Q4. While the rail sports had a solid quarter as consumer demand remained high, supply chain disruptions and a shortage of components impacted sales. Turning to our outlook, the risks and rising costs associated with the 
supply chain disruptions that we, we referenced at the end of Q2 impacted our third quarter more than anticipated. Situation is not yet easing, and therefore our expectations for Q4 are now lower than previously projected. Despite Dorel Holmes' disappointing third quarter for the reasons outlined, we are currently in a favorable inventory position and experienced uptick in demand in both September and October. U4 earnings from operations are expected to improve from the third quarter, but given the higher costs we are experiencing, earnings from operations will not reach last year's levels. Our gross margins will remain under pressure in the short term as we continue to implement strategic price increases to offset the higher costs. The challenges in juvenile in Europe persist, and while previously we expected this to be a short-term issue, it is now a continuing reality. Container backlog is being reduced, but it's taking time and it's costing more. In addition, passing on higher costs to our customers will only begin to materially impact our earnings early in 2022. As such, Q4 gains in other markets are going to be offset by losses in Europe, and we now expect the quarter to be approximately break-even. For Durrell Sports, now classified as a discontinued operation, given its impending sale, they continue to see strong demand while navigating the same issues as our other segments. The sale is on track for closure in the first quarter of 2022. I want to take this opportunity to thank the sports segment employees for their contributions to Dorel and for their ongoing support of the sale process. I will now ask Jeffrey to review the numbers. Jeffrey? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you, Martin. Uh, first of all, uh, let's, you know, it's a little bit tricky this year, but we'll, with the numbers, we're going to be talking mostly about continuing operations um for the third quarter which includes the financial results of Durrell Home and Durrell Juvenile as well as the existing corporate structure supporting these segments uh but keep in mind that continuing operation should not be interpreted as representing the future results of Durrell and Juvenile um you know for example uh the interest most of the interest that we had uh, in the quarter is put into continuing operations but when we close this deal, you know, we would have significantly less debt outstanding and therefore the interest rate would not be what you see today in continuing operations. So keep that in mind. It's, it's not necessarily the best uh, use of forecasting. Um, so if we look at the numbers, uh, Dorel's, uh, this would be for continuing operations. Revenue was down 10.6 million or 2.4%. To 437 million. Uh, organic revenue declined by approximately 1.1% after removing the variations of foreign exchange rate year over year and the impact on revenue of the sale of the juvenile 
manufacturing facility in China. The revenue and adjusted organic revenue declines were uh, in Dorel Home, uh, partially offset by revenue growth in Dorel Juvenile. Dorel Home decrease in revenue is mainly explained by a small reduction in demand coming off of last year's record pandemic influence surge, but mostly supply chain issues in our direct import business, as well as congest congestion in the ports and, the, and our warehouses. In Dorel Juvenile, all markets except for Europe had organic and uh, adjusted organic revenue gains. Uh, from a gross profit standpoint, um, we decreased 390 basis points to 17% from 20.9 last year. Uh, the decline in the quarter was in both segments. The decline in home was uh, made up of uh, higher warehousing costs, uh, increased ocean freight costs, higher input costs, and some reduced sales volume. And in juvenile, it's mostly a decrease uh, due to uh, higher input costs. And uh, within that, it's principally freight and resin used in car seat production. Uh, selling expenses for the quarter increased 3.1% million or about 11%. The increase in selling expenses is mainly explained by an increased promotional and marketing activities and people costs. As last year, we saw a large reduction in these areas due to cost containment measures implemented to mitigate the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, general and administrative expenses declined in the quarter by 4.7 million or 13%. Uh, the overall decrease um, was uh, mainly due to lower people costs in Europe uh, because of the restructuring programs. Uh, finance expenses uh, increased by 7.5 million to 16 million during the quarter. Uh, an increase of 8.5 million of that is uh, mainly due to this judgment in, of the Luxembourg Administrative Court. Um, and uh, that's partially offset by a decrease of uh, 400,000 in interest on long-term debt due to lower average interest borrowers. Overall, um, because of the, uh, the judgment of uh, the court and the tax loss, uh, our net loss was 68 million or $2.09 per diluted share compared with a net income of 9.3 or 28 cents last year. We look at the segments now. If we look at home, uh, Durrell's third quarter uh, revenue declined by 24 million or about 10%. Uh, the, the decrease in revenue is mainly explained by closures of uh, Asian countries such as Malaysia and Vietnam, which reduced our revenue from our direct import business. Uh, these countries were closed. For you know Malaysia for most of the quarter, um, and I think Vietnam's only opened up in the last few weeks. Um, and then the huge congestion of containers, both at the ports, domestic ports, and within our warehouses, which delayed us from getting product that was demanded into the warehouse, so we would be able to ship it. So it affected our domestic shipping, and it affected uh, the, the supply chain. Also affected. Uh, our direct import business. Uh, and as well, uh, we did see um, a, a slowing down of demand a little bit um, because of uh, the huge demand that we had last year. But we, we are we are seeing a fairly decent demand now. Um, as Martin mentioned, uh, September, October were good months. 
and as we get through the uh, supply chain congestion, we're, we're, you know, that's also adding to our ability to increase our sales. From a gross a profit point of view, uh, gross profit was only 10.6% in the quarter, a decline of 470 basis points. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, higher warehousing costs, increased ocean freight costs, increased raw materials, uh, increased uh, overseas fi finished goods costs, uh, and reduced volume all negatively impacted us. Uh, and as well, we did do a price increase to, uh, to try and uh, counter a lot of these increased costs, but they only took effect in uh, the end of the quarter. Uh, so we expect to see some improvement in uh, the fourth quarter in margin because of that. Uh, operating profits declined 14 million uh, to down to 6.8 million, uh, which again was was disappointing. Uh, as we as we mentioned, looking forward, things are getting better, uh, but there's a lot of challenges out there. Uh, it's, the price increases are are in effect in Q4. Uh, our congestion is eased, uh, but we still have the issues of, uh, of raw material prices and, and uh, difficulties in getting containers. We move over to the juvenile section. Uh, revenue increased by 13.5 million, or 6.6 percent, to 219 million. Organic revenue uh, increased by about 5.6 percent. Uh, so things are going well, virtually everywhere except. For Europe, um, and, you know, all the markets, like I said, are, are, are doing better except for Europe. Uh, the markets in America uh, continue to have strong sales. The U.S., Brazil, Chile, Mexico, Canada, all having good quarters. Uh, the Dorel Juvenile USA increases came uh, mainly from a mobility category categories, those are starting to come back as people are traveling more. Uh, and, uh, you know, Brazil, we've now taken a leading position in e-commerce. Uh, all of those things are, are going well. Um, the, the, the problems we're having in Europe are primarily related to not having enough goods. Uh, as we go into this week, we have about 350 containers worth of goods sitting in China and we're that's about a six week delay on on what we'd like to have here. Um, we have a lot of new products that are selling well, but we continue to run out of them. So the the challenge in Europe becomes not just not having the goods for the current orders, but when you don't have the goods for the current orders, it's unlikely you get a second round of orders, uh, as well as it's difficult to plan any promotions or any sort of expansion of distribution of those products. So it really is, until we catch up, it's really uh, weighing us down as far as getting the revenue to get to the level we want. Uh, if we look at the gross profit in the juvenile, um, it was 23.3%. Uh, it's a decline of 410 basis points. Uh, you know, again, the reason for that, a higher input cost, uh, as we talked about, freight, resin, uh, as well as lower production uh, because of um, some parts shortages and uh, just general overhead uh, not being covered by the lower uh, sales levels. Uh, price increases um, have gone into effect in most markets, 
the one market that um, we really need to put them in uh, will be in Europe, and that is uh, effective January 1st. So uh, as Martin mentioned, we're expecting January, uh, the first quarter, to see a material uh, improvement in our margins in Europe. Uh, operating profit in the division was $2.4 million during the quarter, compared to an operating profit of 7.6 last year. Uh, I will talk briefly on sports. Uh, it's now classified as discontinued operations, uh, but their revenue line was up uh, $2 million. Uh, oh, sorry, down $2 million. We're just under 1% uh, versus last year. Uh, gross profit declined by 110 basis points. Uh, the decline was mainly due to just increased ocean freight and factory costs. Uh, you know, when we look at uh, the operating profit, uh, a little, it's a little uh, confusing here. It's, it's the accounting is showing 43.1 million, uh, but when you uh, when you exclude the reversal of the prior year impairment losses on intangible assets and restructuring costs and the transaction costs related to the sale of the sports segment uh, of 51 million. The adjusted profit declined 6.6 million from last year. Um, and the adjusted profit decline was mainly due to uh, reduced revenues relating to uh, available inventory. Uh, as you know, we're still, the bike business is still short significant uh, amounts of inventory, particularly on the Cannondale side. Um, and then and, and some cost increase in costs related to uh, having the business back normally. Uh, with that, I will pass it back to Martha. Okay, thank you, Jeffrey. I'll now ask the operator to open the lines for questions. And as always, please keep your first round questions to a maximum of two. Operator, go ahead. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now conduct the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear an acknowledgement of your request. Your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Please ensure you lift the handset if you are using a speakerphone before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. Your first question comes from Derek Lassard of TD Securities. Uh, good afternoon, uh, gentlemen. Um, I was wondering uh, if you could maybe remind us how much of home segment uh, manufacturing is, is actually done uh, domestically or in-house versus outsourced. Um, and, and maybe as a follow-up to that, just maybe help us understand um, how how your annual capex in that business is is so low? I think it's hovered around two million dollars uh, before you announced the uh, the new capex then. Right. So the the number right now um, is around thirteen percent is uh, domestic manufacturing. Um, one of the reasons capex has always traditionally been low is it doesn't really uh, we don't use it CapEx for product development like we do in the other sectors. Uh, you know, it's board, wood, whatever it is. Uh, so we don't capitalize any of that. It's generally machinery. Um, and as we said in our last press release, we hadn't really spent much on the factories over the years. And hence the, 
the large expenditure all at one time here to uh, to do it. But uh, I, I would expect if you're looking for future, uh, I think it will probably be more than two or three, but it's it's not going to go up significantly from there. And uh, the the thirteen percent uh, in house, do you do you expect any? Uh, I guess a boost to that um, after the, uh, the the ten million capex and 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 I guess um, maybe even the the addition of the uh, the new acquisition in in the UK. Uh, well, no, the acquisition uh, in Europe is a distributor company, so that's only going to have actually reducing the uh, manufactured number. Uh, yeah, the manufactured number will go up. Uh, we aren't necessarily bringing product back. Uh, we will be bringing some product back that is imported, but we will be expanding on products, uh, higher margin, higher sales uh, price, higher ticket items in the factories that we're not even importing today. So, uh, I, I expect that 13% number to go up, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's we're not going to be importing items. Okay, thanks for that. And, and the the extra 10 million dollars uh, in, in capital spend um, over over what period should we be be modeling that? Most likely would be first quarter. Is, am I right, Frank? The bulk of it. Yeah, the bulk of it will be uh, the first quarter of 22. There, there's, yeah. there, could, there could be a, some of very little in Q4, but most of it will be Q, Q1 next year. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That's that's helpful. Um, uh, another question, just switching gears a little bit. Um, historically, or last year maybe, you paid about 51 million dollars in 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 rent expense. Um, now with the the sports uh, segment. Uh, being sold. Just wondering what that number comes down to, and and maybe if um, I don't know if you have the split between um, uh, between home and uh, Juno. Well, we'll give you. I don't have the split right here. Uh, I think the number. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, was twenty seven percent. Is that the right number? That uh, the sports segment represented of that. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and and one last one for me before before I requeue. Um, I know you said that you you thought the pressure was more, or the, the supply chain pressure was more transitory. Um, now that you think it's not, I, I was wondering how you guys are are starting to think maybe about your free cash flow or your or your cash burn. I guess against uh, the the backdrop of, of the current margin pressures that you're seeing. Well, I mean, it, it's very difficult to to look forward on the supply chain. What we're getting a handle on now, um, where we're saying things are easing, is sort of the internal issues. Uh, we had a lot of warehouse issues. We had uh, one of our biggest warehouses got hit by COVID over the summer, which ended up giving us a huge backlog in un in, in unloading containers. We, we had hundreds of containers in our yard that we couldn't catch up. And that's starting to be caught up. And, you know, that means we can actually sell those items. So we had orders for items that we had in our yard but couldn't get them out of the containers. So 
those are the internal issues that are easing. The external issues are not really easing. Um, so it's very difficult to see down the road, you know, how it's going to impact us. Um, we've, as I mentioned, we've passed on price increases. And it looks like we'll probably have to pass on some more price increases. Inflation is not slowing down. Uh, for our business, the, the main focus is container prices. That's probably the biggest in, input increase that we have. And they haven't really, you know, we're looking at next year and, and the rates look like they're going up. So we'll have to do another round of price increases at some point. Uh, and again, I don't have the timing on that. So that's making all of it as difficult to to really get our hands on things. Uh, I will tell you from a cash flow standpoint that the inventory levels in the home business are very, at a good place, despite all the problems and everything. We're at a good place as far as owning um, inventory. I don't think we need to expand much on that. Uh, the juvenile, on the other hand, is short inventory. Uh, they could certainly use another 20 million, I would say. Um, you know, and then a bike business, we don't have to worry about going forward. So that, that's sort of the, the cash that we're looking at. Um, once everything settles down, working capital, maybe, maybe another 20 million, uh, but not much more than that. Okay. Uh, and maybe one last one for me is, is I, are there any, um, I guess other legal, proceedings that are, are going on that, that might result in a in a sort of like a large cash outlay. I know you guys had pointed out earlier in, in, in the year um, this one related to the tax. Just wondering if there's any any other ones that are floating around. No, that, that, that's the only uh, standing large uh, event that was out, that's out there like that. Okay. Thanks, gentlemen. Your next question comes from Stephen McLeod of BMO Capital Markets. Oh, thank you. Good afternoon, guys. A um, couple of questions. I just wanted to follow up. Uh, maybe one one uh, that that's close to Derek's that he just asked. Um, you know, in the press release, you you talk about uh, you know the, the fact that some of these issues will continue in the short term around supply chain, um, but you're, you said you're actively working on solutions uh, to to work through them. Um, I guess in addition to, you know, passing on price increases and, and, and Jeffrey, you just mentioned around catching up on unloaded containers, are there any other levers that you can pull on to get through some of these supply chain issues that are continuing to linger? I mean, there's so many. I think Martin was trying to show everybody if there's so many issues um, that, yeah, we're solving some, but it's not it's not a one time thing, but yeah, price increases are big. Uh, getting our own uh, warehouses up to speed is a big deal. Uh, but you know, we still have a lot of challenges outside. You know, trucking, uh, getting our customers to pick up goods has been it was a huge huge issue in Q3. Um, when we talk about direct import, what that often means is we design and buy a product and then have our customers pick it up in Asia. And they were not able to pick it up. But those, there was, you know, tens of millions of dollars of goods at any given point that was ready to be picked up that wasn't. 
and um, hopefully maybe with the Christmas season down and, and they're refocusing on other non-Christmas goods, that will alleviate. But again, uh, a lot of these things are outside of our control. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, in the juvenile section, juvenile segment, you quantified uh, roughly $14 million in lost sales, I think was the number from uh, European supply chain issues. Are you able to quantify what the lost sales could have been in the Durrell home business because of uh, some of the demand, or sorry, supply disruptions? Yeah, no, it was a lot harder. We tried to do that. It was a lot harder to do because in, in some cases we owned the goods but didn't have them accessible. Um, but like I said, there's probably 20 million, is it 25 million of goods that were not picked up that could have been, in normal times, would have been picked up and delivered. So uh, it's harder to do the profit, but, I, you know, I, I can comfortably say 25 million in the quarter um, was easily caused by uh, supply chain issues. Okay. Okay. Um, and then maybe just on, on both segments, you know, you talked about uh, price increases. Obviously, uh, there's lots of cost, uh, you know, input cost inflation. Um, is, is inflation you know, continuing at such a rate that it's hard to see when price increases will potentially offset the, the cost inflation? Or, or is there a point in time maybe, you know, whether it's like, next year, second half of next year, where you see uh, maybe price increases beginning to uh, catch up with some of the price, some of the cost increases you've seen? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, unfortunately, I don't, we don't have an answer because we do, you know, there's a, a lag time, two to three months, uh, generally in North America is how it works. So, we do do the price increase to cover the inflation. And then by the time it's in, we're seeing more inflation. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure when that's all going to stop. Uh, but yeah, that, that definitely puts pressure on a lot of our business. Um, but we yeah. are, you know, we are, it is easier today to get those price increases. It's pretty obvious that everyone has them. Um, right. So, uh, it's just a timing thing, right? It's just that lag. Hopefully we won't have that lag all the time. Right. Okay. Okay. And then maybe just finally, um, on the juvenile business, I just wanted to, uh, maybe see if I, uh, I want to fully, hoping to fully understand why, um, in Europe, uh, Europe was the market that was really uniquely impacted by supply chain. Whereas, uh, you know, sounded as though performance in the Americas, seem to do much better. So I was wondering if you could just explain what's unique about the European market with respect to that. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to pass the, the actual freight part on to Martin. But um, one of the things is we, we have a lot of new products uh, that we've developed. In fact, 48% of our sales now is products that we've introduced in the last two years in Europe. So we're pretty proud of that. But a lot of that stuff is product that's made in Asia. And uh, therefore, the high demand stuff needs to be imported. And uh, Martin, I'll let you I mean, talk about freight. The problem with Europe is that getting goods out of Asia into Europe is, is much slower this year. Okay, There seems to be a lack uh, of, of ships and containers available to, to bring the products over. Like we 
said before, we've got somewhere something like 350 containers, container uh, of goods, okay, or, or goods to fill 350 containers waiting in, uh, to be picked up. And there just isn't enough supply of to start with of empty containers. And there isn't enough supply routes to get them into Europe on time. So it's been much more difficult getting goods into Europe than it has been into North America. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's great. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for answering my questions. Thank you. Your next question comes from Derek Lassard of TD Securities. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, Jeffrey, if you, if you're able to, uh, talk about, like, how long is that lag, uh, on, on, on the price increases? Um, and maybe, um, I don't know if you, you've mentioned it, but the, the, the magnitude of the increases that you've put through in, in both home and juvenile. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not at liberty to discuss the, the magnitude. Um, I will tell you, in some cases, we've done three price increases already and planning a fourth. So, um, you know, that, that in itself is, is – I've never seen that. Um, and as far – what was the first – I'm sorry, I forgot your first question. No, no, I, uh, well, you, you didn't – you weren't able to, to answer the, the magnitude, but I was just – I was curious yeah. about the – that the la the actual lag or how long it the takes. lag time yeah I'm gonna say ninety days ninety days yeah, but in some cases already we've notified the the customer that the prices are coming so yeah but by the time they actually kick in and yeah. the negotiations and then the the it's about ninety days okay um, and I guess my my final one is as as I guess we're sitting here November fifth. What what does the I guess what is your what does the situation look ahead of like uh, ahead of the, the the upcoming holidays in terms of being able to get product to uh, to, to to customers um, given the given the stronger seasonal demand? I think again, Mark, you might know this, but I believe that that seasonal demand. Um, is almost over now as far as delivery is concerned. Like, if you don't have the stuff already in the warehouses, it's not getting on the shelves for Christmas. And and given that we're not that, we have some Christmas items for sure, um, that, you know, it's maybe going to get easier for us. Maybe we'll get a little more space. I mean, I know I've heard even some of the large retailers, they can't even process all the goods that are coming in. And they've pushed back, even for stuff they need, they said, we can't unload it, so, you know, don't bring it into our warehouses. And these are the big guys. So, And in some cases, we have goods in our warehouse where our customers, like the big, you know, the big retailers, just don't have the facilities to pick them up. They don't have enough trucks, drivers, and they don't have space in their warehouses to put it. The chain, you know, the supply chain problems is not just, between Asia and North America. It's within North America as well. Our delivery of furniture directly to consumers um, is is up now. And that, that's doing well because the retailers don't have to bring it into their place. So, they, you know, we deliver those those items and that's doing well. That was, I mean, we're, we were behind because of all of the issues we had within our warehouses, but that's 
is improving uh, every week now. So we're hoping that that picks up some of the business. Okay. Uh, thanks, gentlemen, and have a good weekend. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I will now turn the floor back over to Martin Schwartz for any closing remarks. Okay, thank you. A word of sincere thanks to our teams everywhere for their continuing efforts to get through the supply chain and COVID challenges, as well as the rising costs. It's tough and stressful, but our employees are clearly doing what's necessary to get things done. In fact, many of our customers have told us that the rail is doing better than many of our competition. And that concludes today's call. Thank you for being with us and have a pleasant weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the conference call for today. Thank you for your participation. Please disconnect your lines at this time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.